Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Thursday evening. Joining me from Boston, Massachusetts is Timothy Bontemps. What's up, guys? How's it going? Went to your first Celtics game of the season in the last couple of days. I did. Predict- predicting greatness? Uh, yes. Some, some, some people here are predicting greatness, namely the fans. I think everybody else has actually got the right perspective on the Celtics this year. Predicting pretty goodness. Pretty goodness, <laughs> yes, I would say. That is the one, the only, Van McMahon joining us from Dallas. Howdy, partners. I assume you went to see – I know you went to see your uh, Utah Jazz – because uh, you were taking no. photos of Gobert's shoes. Well, yeah, I saw the Jazz JV last night lose a lose a tough one to the mighty Mavs. Luca's in <laughs> midseason form, and if you're a pessimist, you would say so is KP. <laughs> we're not going to talk about KP on this podcast, and we're not going to talk about Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving either, and we're not going to talk about the vaccine. At least that's my goal, okay? And there much by the time his posts, there will be major news, and I'll feel like a fool, but we're not going to do it. What we are going to do, Let's talk about some of the big questions that we see that are arising for some teams here in the early going of the season. Um, there is other stuff going on. There's uh, 28 other teams besides the Sixers and Nets, and some of them have some uh, pretty significant issues to juggle. And uh, where I wanted to start um, was with the Lakers. Oh, man, another uh, team we barely ever talk about. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. I know. Got to get make sure the Lakers are getting enough spotlight. Come on, fellas. <laughs> we are. Trust me. Trust me. I mean, I got a talking to from the bosses. Not enough Laker talk. Um, so your ESPN bosses are, or no, I'm not going to make that joke. Go on. All right. Um, so LeBron and Russ haven't played together yet in the preseason. I, I don't care about that. You've heard me say on here that I'm not going to evaluate the Lakers one way or the other until at least Christmas. And I reserve the right to push that back as well. Um, but Ryan, continue say, not to make any predictions, including during the season, just staying away. <laughs> no judgments. Uh, the, one of the things I'm going to be watching for the Lakers right off the bat is what Frank Vogel does with Westbrook uh, and LeBron in terms of playing them together. Mm-hmm. Because I suspect he is not going to play them together that much. And while everybody sits there and talks about how they fit and LeBron says this and Russ says that and AD says this, that he is going to stagger them so that, uh, you know, and moderate their minutes too. And so that one of them is on the court at all times, but the both of them aren't on the court that often. And seeing how they're going to put lineups around them are going to, I think, define a big part of this early season um, uh, results for the Lakers, Bon Thompson. And, and they, they already suffered a blow. Trevor Ariza had surgery this week and is going to be out for at least two months. Um, they need wings. They need shooting on the court. And one way to do that is to have LeBron or Russ off of it to stretch the floor um, to help LeBron when he's on it and to help Russ when he's on. It. Well, the other way to do it is to play Anthony Davis at center, right? Which is mm-hmm. sort of the question that is hanging over this team, which there's a lot of, as we talked about recently on the pod, there's a lot of allusions to Anthony Davis playing center a lot. Uh, but until we know exactly how much he's going to play there, it's probably going to dictate how uh, the Lakers look. And I think to our guy McTen's point on, I think Zach Lowe's podcast earlier this week, if you have DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard on the team and you only have so many guys to play, you kind of have to keep them both engaged. I think you probably do need to at least start those guys. One of those guys during the regular season, just mm-hmm. to churn through minutes on the roster. Do you, and do you, do you have well, to keep DeAndre Jordan engaged? He, I'm telling you, he's the league's best cheerleader at this point. Well, play him, listen, let him play to his strengths. The problem the Lakers have is the one Brian brings up, which is that with when now with Trevor Ariza out, you know, people go, Trevor Ariza's 36. He's not that good at this point. Trevor Ariza is a pretty important piece of this Lakers team. They don't have a lot of guys on the wing, really, who you could trust to play. Mm-hmm. Ariza was pretty clearly, I think, to me, a guy you would look at is if he's right, he would be a closing lineup guy for them. So now you're looking like, you know, now you're down another wing player already. If you're trying to play Anthony Davis at center, now you're playing, you know, two wings with LeBron and Russ to start games, to go through the games. Like it's just going to be really interesting to see what Frank Vogel tries to do because you're, you know, you're rolling out there Malik Monk who didn't get a qualifying offer from the Charlotte Hornets, but you know, is being hailed as like, you know, it's going to be this huge saving grace for them. 
got guys like Kent well, Bates bounce around on minimum deals. And, I understand, and, but I'm just and saying. And have like, some good regular season games, but sure. You know, he sure. played four years for the Hornets and they were like, yeah, we're not even going to pay him four million. Good luck. Right. We, yeah. we they have the Lakers have a whole bunch of guys on minimum deals that they have to try to cycle through these shot these slots to fit around their star guys. And look, the Russ and, 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 and is, one is Mello, who, you you know, say what you want. I mean, Mello can talk about he'll take whatever role. He ain't going to be happy if his role is he's going to play. CDs. Yeah, that's right. He's going to play. So. And then you've got this fit of Russ and LeBron, which let's be honest, like this is the clunkiest fit for him clearly since he played with Dwayne Wade. And when he was playing with Dwayne Wade, those guys were both in a different athletic place in right. their career than Russ and LeBron are. And, you know, and Russ Dwayne Wade was a dominant defender. That's right. But even on top of that, just in terms of the offensive fit, you know, Brian was with those guys right at the beginning in Miami when those guys were at the mm-hmm. peak of their powers and they had to try to figure out where they were going to be on the court. And, you know, Russell Westbrook has always had the ball in his hands. And if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's not very effective. And if LeBron is or happy and LeBron is used to always having the ball in his hands. And like the thing in Miami really took off when it was like, all right, we're going to give the ball to LeBron and everybody else is going to work around him. And, you know, it's that whole situation is just going to be really fascinating to watch play out where there's going to be a ton of expectations on that team and a ton of pressure on that team right from the beginning, because there always is in L.A., especially when you got stars like this together. And it's just going to be really interesting with Frank Vogel, by the way, who only got extended for one year on his deal. Like there's a lot of pressure there for them to be good and win. And we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked before about it's probably not going to like, they're not going to shoot out of the gates. Just the history, LeBron with D-Wade, as you mentioned, with Kyrie, you know, Russ teaming up with with Harden was a relatively so star with, with Beal last year. But and and I do think there's something to be said for you want to stagger their minutes a lot. You you want LeBron to be able to be the primary, uh, you know, the, the guy with the ball in his hands with good spacing around him. You want Russ to be in those situations. You don't want Russ as in particular playing off the ball a lot. The, the problem is that's all fine and dandy, but they're definitely going to start games together. And if they're not finishing the games together, you want to yes. see some overreaction and, and, yes. and absolute circus. So, you know, I mean, you're, you're starting them together. That's 12 minutes, first quarter, third quarter, and you're playing crunch time together. So, you know, you're up to 16, 18 minutes per game just with those sections of time where they're going to be on the floor together. So, you know, it's not as easy just saying, well, you know, you're my turn, your turn, you rest, whatever they'll still be on the floor together a whole lot and they're going to have to figure it out. And, you know, uh, so much of this comes down to is Russ finally willing to do something when he has, <laughs> when he does not have the ball in his hands, like, yeah, because we all know Russ standing there spotting up is, is a favor to the defense. Like, you know, if he's spotting up on the wing, his man's going to have a foot in the paint and not be in any hurry to get back out to him. You know, can can there be some, uh, you know, LeBron-Russ pick and rolls or Russ setting screens? You know, will, will Russ be – like, Russ has all, all the ability in the world to be a really effective cutter, and you can put together a nice little highlight tape. The problem is, <laughs> you know, the, the highlight tape is like – those are like the only time he's ever cut, and maybe it's made him more effective. Oh, my God, he actually cut the basket. <laughs> you know, so, he's, so he's getting dunks out of it, but, like, Russ just standing around, not going to work. Well, and, yeah, Russ, Russ could be like Bruce Brown was with the Nets, which people yes. might go, well, wait a minute. Like, how are you comparing Russ to Bruce Brown? But like Bruce Brown was able to get a bunch of like, he got like eight or 10 points a game, basically just setting a screen, rolling to the basket and catching the ball for a layup. Yeah. Like, and, and Russ, obviously, I, I mean, obviously do you think he's ever, do you think how many times in his career has Russ set a screen and roll? Well, uh, Zach did mention with, uh, with Mac 10, we like said the, last year he'd set 19 screens the entire season. Yeah, 19 his, season, his his career high for a season was 68, mid, I believe. Yeah, it was, it was in something the, like that. Somewhere in the was mid double figures. Setting screens for Durant back then, I assume. Probably, <laughs> probably so. Probably. But again, but again, it, does Russ like Russ makes a lot of noise about all he wants to do is win? Prove it. Prove it. Well, um. So I will say that, you know, Kent Bazemore was an under-the-radar signing for them. 
Um, he did have a good year last year. He had his, the, the you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't watch a heck of a lot of Warriors basketball. What I did, I was watching Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Um, but his defensive numbers last year, his, his advanced numbers and some of his metrics defensively were his best defensive numbers in, you know, five or six years since he basically earned that contract that he got uh, in Atlanta. And he shot 41% from three. And, you know, look, he's not going to come in and, and be, uh, you know, a two-way masterpiece. But, like, they need, you know, and, and you know, so the reporters who cover the Lakers have said that he's looked good and that the coaching staff and some of the players are talking about him. Like, especially with the reason down, like, like they need Baysmore to play well. They, he has they to play well. Like yeah, yeah, he has to. He's a he's a hugely important piece, and that that's you know that's what when you have a team where you've basically got three max players and twelve minimum guys or eleven minimum guys and Kendrick Nunn, that's what you're going to have, right? And you're no going to have how many of the minimum guys have Hall of Fame resumes. That's right. Like you're just you're making do with you, you've got to put it together with scotch tape and and figure it out. And that's you know what you need in that scenario, right? Is AD to be awesome. LeBron to be awesome and Westbrook to be awesome. If those guys are awesome, you can have minimum pieces floating around them and make it work. If they're less than awesome, then all of a sudden it looks a lot more complicated. Well, and you can also have imperfect fits that are overcome just by ridiculous talent. That's right. And, you know, I mean, like, look, Russ might not be a perfect fit, but if he's, you know, if he's just the absolute terror that he can be, uh, in transition, he's he's ripping down 11 rebounds a game and, and getting them on the run and getting a bunch of easy baskets. Um, you know, some some of the stuff like imperfect half court fits can can be mass can be overcome. And then, but you know, only if those guys are really good and really good together, it's got to yeah, work. But bu- bubble Anthony Davis can overcome a lot of of of, of roster imperfections. Well, and he's last, and he's such season, a huge. Yeah. yeah, last season's version of Anthony Davis, they need better than that. He's just such a huge piece, too. With his shooting ability, like when he's playing well, you know, like if he can get – he's probably not going to shoot like in the bubble. We've talked a lot about – I mean, he was one of the guys who definitely shot shoot, his shooting go out to places it otherwise hasn't been. But him playing the five and, and giving them a, a floor spacer there, who can obviously do incredible things at the other end of the court, too, like that's going to be so critical to give Russ and LeBron – the best chance to succeed together. Like it just, he has to be that top five or 10 level player and like dominating for them. And if he's playing like that, then yeah, like the Lakers are going to be in business. If like you said, McMahon, if he's, if he's closer to where he was last year, it's, you know, it, yeah. it just makes this whole thing a lot more complicated for Frank Vogel to figure out. All right. Well, let's just watch. Uh, it'll be interesting to look at the two man numbers, the two man on off numbers um, where, how often Vogel uses um, Westbrook and LeBron together in October, in November, in December. I suspect uh, he's going to, at least early on, try to see how they look apart before. I know everyone's going to watch uh, how he looks. Like big man okay. said, though, it's going to be hard to do that. Like just the way the game breaks down, you're going to, they're going to have to play half the game together almost automatically. So, yeah. You know, it's not like you can. It's not like you could take Russ out or LeBron out ninety seconds into the game and then bring him back no, in but, five minutes later. But no, but Vogel has shown he's not afraid to take guys out. You know, four minutes into a quarter. Okay, so let me ask you this: Is is Russ playing thirty minutes? <laughs> you really think that's happening? Is LeBron playing thirty minutes? Yeah, he might. Well, 31, 32. Okay, I believe when I see that they, they play in <laughs> L.A., but. I'm like, uh, I'm, well, I'm staying firmly is, in Missouri. The show me state. <laughs> I love that. That's something my dad used to say. It makes nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about when I use it. And my wife has told me never to use it again, but um, <laughs> I'll say I'm from when, when something dubious, I see, I'll be like, I'm from Missouri on that one. And nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about. It's kind of like it? I, I say betting on the come. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Oh, family podcast. Let's go. <laughs> um, Okay, so the other one of the other questions we're looking at here, uh, what happens with the Suns and their two extension mm. candidates, DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges? Now, Woj had a story earlier this week that the Ayton talks weren't going well, and he said that the the Suns have been reluctant to offer the max. We talked a few weeks ago. Re- re- um, reluctant means they sure as hell haven't. <laughs> right, and so 
we talked a couple of weeks ago about extension candidates and um, you know, we thought that Aiton would really want the max or nothing. And yeah. the challenge, if you're, um, if you're Phoenix is you, you, you've got Booker and, and Chris Paul on your books and you've also got to take care of bridges. Robert Sarver has paid the tax before, but he hasn't paid in a decade. He's not. Uh, I was going to say that the challenge for Phoenix is Robert Sarver is a renowned cheap ass. Just say yes. it. What was the, <laughs> what was the woman who was her name? Greta. Who, who described what what would happen with Robert and Nickel and his uh, posterior? <laughs> I believe. Um, so um, uh, that you know, I think they they're watching it, and you know, if they saved you know, a couple of million bucks per year on him, it could really be meaningful in three four years. So the thing about it also is is that when you look out there at next summer's teams with salary cap space, and of course that could change. There could be teams that midway through the season decide to go for a rebuild and, and go to dump salaries and all of a sudden become players. But right now you look at the teams, there's not a lot of teams out there that are going to have space. It's going to be one of the lower space summers we've seen in a while. And the team, some of the teams that have them are in kind of big rebuilds like Oklahoma city. I mean, I oh, hey, listen, okay. Like Oklahoma city who, you know what? Yeah, rebuild. So if you can get what will Aiton be next summer? 22, 23? If you can get a 22, 23 year old, you know. But you're not going to get him because the Suns are going to match that contract. Will will they? Will they? We'll, well see. I mean, I, I mean, so and if you're Oklahoma City, what do you have to lose? But if you can get Aiton and pair him with Shea Gilgis Alexander, you've got a million and six picks to to make something happen. Uh, I'm just saying, like, it only takes one. And yeah, DeAndre, but they would match it. They would match it in that regard. They'd match it. Uh, perhaps. DeAndre Ayton, it's, it's crazy to think that he should settle for anything less than, as you call it, uh, the fun max. Um, and, and, and look, here's the thing. Don't talk to me about, well, you know, centers of position that's been devalued. You know what? Because Robert Sarver, you passed up Luca to get this guy. So if center is such a devalued position, you were a dumbass then. So you drafted the guy number one overall. He has. Well, I don't know who made the decision, but oh, stop. obviously I do. Because he I went do. to because he went to Arizona, where where Sarver is a proud alum. I do think that that was I've, attractive okay. to him. I have been told by multiple people who were with the Phoenix organization that that was a total Robert Sarver move. It sure wasn't Igor. And I, yeah, and Igor Kokoskov, who was the, the coach of the, the Serbian uh, national he, team, who was he, the head coach of the team. Yes. Yeah, and very briefly. But at that time, he wanted them, obviously, to get Luka and to put a big offer on the table for Clint Capella, who ironically is, is now one of the, one of the uh, I don't know what you want to call it, leverage points that the Suns have, you know, if you want to make Capella eight and comps and look at Capella's contract, but look, you draft the guy number one overall. He produces, he's a, not the primary reason, but certainly a significant reason you go to the finals and then you don't want to pay him. Well, well listen, what do you I think, they, what they well, want to well, pay I think we should, I think we should clarify that uh, uh, no one here really thinks that Phoenix is not going to have DeAndre Ayton on the team after this season. Right. Do we agree, McMahon? Right. So why muddy the waters? Well, but I, okay. I think to, to play devil's advocate to your position, if you do look around, I do think it's fair to say that it's not to me a no brainer that you would pay him a max. And if you can get him for 90% of the max, then maybe you get him for 90% of the max, or maybe you get him for 90% of the max and there's incentives where Say he makes a couple all NBA teams or an all NBA team, then he gets up to the max or something like that. Like there's ways where they of can course, pay if him he makes an all hey, if he makes an all NBA team, he wants super max. So well, yeah, but I'm just he ain't going I'm, for that I, either. Well, but I'm just saying there's ways where you can do this where like there's some negotiation on. Well, what is maybe Capella? What does Capella make? I know he just signed an extension. What does he make? It's I mean, I'm somewhere not, in the low twenties. Yeah, twenty ish. I think it's okay. an average of twenty two or twenty three a year. So the projected max for next season, which is where Aiden's contract would start, the fund max is is about thirty million. That's where it would start. And obviously, it would go up from there. Yeah, five years, one seventy two um, would be would be the, the full deal. And yeah. I, hey, if the Suns want to say no player options, all that, all that's fine and dandy. But, be, but I'm just yeah. But but beyond the actual dollars and cents, it's more about 
do you want Aiton playing this season with that, you know, over his head? After this guy is like has done everything you've asked him to do, after he has bought into being a dirty work yep. big man, he's not in there demanding post-ups and clogging up the offense. He's he's setting screens like a freaking right tackle. He he's anchoring. He's yeah, he's yeah. running the court hard. He's anchoring the defense. Do you yep. want him out there worried about oh, I gotta put up numbers? I need I need good touches. No. Good locker room guy. Yeah, well, and and this is this is the other thing that's interesting to your point, McMahon, about both these guys, in that you're talking about two guys who are doing a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet that you then have to try to translate to what you're gonna give him in a contract, right? You look at Mikhail Bridges, who is one of the elite young defenders in the league. And, you know, these three and D wing players generally don't get over $20 million a year. Right. And so that's why. And and we talk about like cutting. He's a great cutter. Right. But everybody with space next year. Well, this is the the thing. The fun, the, 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 the fun and interesting conversation to have here is if those two guys are available, I think more teams would pay Mikhail Bridges than would pay DeAndre Ayton. So it, I think I think you got to get Bridges done because I don't think his value. I guess he could have a bad year. I don't think his value is going down. No, everybody no. everybody needs players like that. So it it's in, but both of them do a but lot it, of stuff but, that help you win. That doesn't like isn't scoring twenty five points a game or twenty eight points a game. It's like like you said, Aiton's got so much better at all of yes. this quiet stuff on the stat sheet. He's become the, a way better defender. He runs the court. He sets amazing screens. He has become a, he's a really good guy to have around the team. Mikael Bridges he's become is a winning the foundational piece. He is That's a right. winning foundational Both piece. Both of those guys. drafted number one overall, and you just pay those guys. You do, right. especially he's young. He still has room uh, to, to, to grow. And it, listen, Monty Williams is, is definitely – I mean, obviously, the guy proved himself last season as an elite coach. I think his ability to get players to buy in, to get the most out of players. Um, I'm not saying he's not a, a, a great X's and O's guy, uh, but I'm saying I think he is like top of the league in in kind of the yeah, guys will run aspects. guys will guys will run through walls for money. And Brian's story about DeAndre last year was really gotten into that, where like you know mm-hmm. Chris Paul and Monty were on DeAndre all the time to like, Hey man, like you can, we can go places, but like, you've got to do these things. And by the time he was in the playoffs, like, you know, people forget, like we're just talking about the Lakers. Look, DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton was going, not maybe not quite toe to toe with Anthony Davis, but he wasn't getting run off the court by Anthony he Davis. Was, in the he, first was round of playoff series. he was, he was definitely holding his own. Right. With, so without like, a doubt. So he's and by the way, uh, I would say he held his own against a guy who deservedly won the MVP. Yeah, Every, everybody here would agree, with the exception of Wendy. I'm talking about deserving, <laughs> but my point is, like, I just was saying, he shouldn't be disqualified because he missed a couple of games. That's, we don't need to. Okay, we don't need to. Okay, really don't need to yeah. uh, but what I, my point is, you're really putting a lot on Monty Williams if you don't get this done. To to ask DeAndre Ayton to maintain, I mean, it's just human nature to ask him to maintain that level of dirty work buy-in and not worry about. You know the stuff that people traditionally look at. Maybe when you're you're negotiating contracts, not worry about. Hey, I, I boy, I got to average twenty plus. I you know I'm trying to get paid. That that's asking a lot out of Monty Williams. Right, well, th- it's also asking I... a lot out of Chris Paul. Do you think? Do you think Chris Paul, who took a pretty significant haircut this year, like you think he's happy about uh, uh, about these guys having this situation lingering if it goes into the season? Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, 
even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class. They have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Just that's the thing. You know what I ask as soon as a guy signs a free agent contract, although it's complicated on rookie deal extensions. If Aiden signs for the it. max, can you trade DeAndre Aiden if he signs for the max? Yes, probably. And, and and I will say this. I was talking to another GM, and the other GM I was talking to, uh, this is yesterday, actually agreed with the Suns. So it's not a consensus thing, but... I think DeAndre Ayton will get done. I just think the question is, like I said, I you know, is it is it a is it a full max? Maybe is it something close to the max with incentives that can get it to the max? I my guess is it's probably something like that, and it gets done eventually. Um, I would I would expect him and Bridges both to get done, but that but what does everybody? Are you, are you, are you I would say they both get done, done. By, done by the deadline coming think, up here i think they'll both get extended before the season but I, I that's not reporting it's just my guess my do guess is think, they do you think get do you them think robert there. sarver will be kidnapped in the next week and a half? <laughs> <laughs> i mean i All think right. they're going to have these guys on the roster either way so i yes. I, I and okay. i think it's close enough to getting done it just from like what everybody well i shouldn't say close enough i mean like people know roughly what it i think it's going to take to get it done ultimately just whether it gets done or not. So, all right. I think they'll both get done, but we'll see. Okay. All right. Next thing we want to talk about is um, how are the Warriors, who are people, are a lot of people are bullish on them. How do the Warriors perform? Slash, how do they stay competitive? You know, and keep their record uh, competitive before they get Clay Thompson back, and even after he comes back, he's got to be you know sort of warmed up and get into it. They know they're going to have Wiggins. He's going to be available. Um, what style of play are they going to have to play? You know, how are they going to have to do that? How are they going to operate? And, you know, this is, um, you know, they're going to have high expectations for this season. They're going uh, to operate by saying, hey, Steph, be an MVP candidate again, and please stay they healthy. They did that last year, and they were not a playoff team. Yeah, they, they, but, they, but, but, but they, were, they were competitive, though. They're going to do two things. They're going to play Draymond Green at center a lot. And they're going to need Jordan Poole to be really yeah. good. Now, Jordan Poole, over the second half of last year, was really, really good for them. Down the stretch in those games against the Lakers, against the Grizzlies, down the stretch of the season, we were trying to get into the play-in tournament. Jordan Poole was really good for them. He had 30 points on 10 for 17 shooting in their first preseason game. And with Klay Thompson out, you look up and down this Warriors roster, Steph is going to be Steph. Andrew Wiggins is probably going to score 17 points a game or so because he and Andrew is always available will be Andrew always Wiggins. He, right, but he but he's at least <laughs> always available always in plays. Wiggins yep. always scores. Right, but he's for, he's for effective. better or worse. But, but you look at the rest of the team. There's not really another guy outside of Jordan Poole that you look at that's going to be a consistent scoring threat. Are you not an team. Otto Porter? Are you not well, an Otto? Porter Otto, Otto, I think could be a great minimum signing for them. It like yeah. he's got a chance to really be a good piece, but like in terms of a guy who's going to go get them 15 or 20 a night, like Jordan Poole is the other guy. Cause like Draymond's not scoring 15 or 20 a night. So until clay gets out there, like Jordan Poole is a sneaky, really, really important guy in the league mm -hmm. because golden state's going to be putting a ton of pressure on him. And look, anytime Steph's not on the court, the ball's going to be in his hands. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a lot like Jordan Clarkson was last year in Utah, where it's just like, Hey man, you got to just go shoot. Cause we don't have anybody else who's going to do this. And they have a lot of faith in him and they think he's going to be good. And he's going to get every opportunity to take, I think a really, really big step forward this year. If he can take advantage of. It. Yeah. And, and he, he did take a, a huge step last year from basically being a G league player uh, to being a, a, a quality bent scorer last year. And they, they need him, you know, he's 22 years old. Obviously he's still early in his development. They definitely need him to take another jump. Um, I, you know, do either of you guys think that either of the lottery rookies are, are contributors? I, I I would be surprised. It's, it's just it's just I mean on individual nights maybe, um, and then they you know pretty much 
you know, Wiseman's recovery timeline is not yeah. on the short end. He's, yeah, you know, he, had meniscus, he hurt his meniscus back in the spring, and he's still coming back to full strength. So yeah. Yeah. I don't now know you've got to start the uh, season either. You've got Kaminga dealing with it's. It's not a major knee injury, but him having a little knee injury now doesn't help. Yeah. I mean, it's no. you know, that's the a big. Guy the biggest thing preseason reps he can get. Yeah, the biggest things there are Draymond playing center and pool, and and them them really saying we're going to play Draymond and lean into playing Draymond at center all the time. Like that's always been the thing they've tried to stay away from to try to lessen the load on him. But I think right. the fact that they're doing that to me is a recognition of a. You know, mess around time is over. It's time for us to try to win as many games as we can. And they just don't have another option because when they go big, um, even with Looney, who's effective with Draymond, their 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 scoring is so limited outside of staff that it just is really tough when he's not playing those with those Draymond well, at center minutes. When and they I just play, think that's I mean, huge I, for them. Obviously, they had the death lineup for years, but when they spread the floor and play small with Draymond running around playing the two man game uh, with with Steph, they're devastating. Yeah, and they're going to need that devastating stuff. And really, to be honest with you, watching Draymond and Steph play oh, with each other—it's art. It's um, it's you know, it's reached. I mean, I, again, this is not a new phenomenon. They've been doing it for almost a decade, but it is awesome to watch. And they're going to they're going to need that, of course, as well. Well, and it's um, so fun when Draymond's bringing the ball down the court, and you kind of see him and Steph not even really making eye contact, but they know where. Yeah, they don't even are. like. They're, it's not even a play. It's not like yeah, you know. It's not like, uh, you know, it's like the old, the old Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan stuff. You know, they would just come down and they all knew every set they ran and where to go. And they would just do stuff without even really communicating anything. I think it's even a higher level than that because Steph is so much more dynamic with the ball than even yeah. Tony Parker was. Parker was great at getting downhill. One of the yep. great penetrators into the lane of all time. The guy would like lead the league in paint scoring or be first or second league in paint scoring like year after year after year. But Steph is just such, um, he can go so many different ways, fast, slow, you know, high, low. And it's all up to Draymond to, you know, operate with them almost like a great wide receiver and quarterback who were like in a two minute offense. And the wide receiver looks at the defensive set. He looks at the eyes of the quarterback and they just know what they're going to do. It's very much like that. Um, and it's really amazing to watch, especially when they're in the heat of the game, when they're in their own two minute offense. It's like, we just got to get a basket. Let's go to work. Well, and um, it's something we've never seen before because the goal on a lot of these is to get Steph about a phone boost worth of space anywhere <laughs> from about 35 feet in. If you give him a phone boost worth of space at 32 feet, <laughs> it's gonna the whole defense reacts to it, and he's still there's a decent chance he's gonna get a three pointer off and make it. But even if not, you've got the whole defense scrambling to try to make sure he can't get a halfway decent look from you know two steps over half court. And it's yep. just like nothing, you know. I mean, Damian Lillard See, has some similarities, but again, it, it you know it, what's funny, uh, you know, Lillard and, and Draymond tried to do it together for Team USA. Yeah, and they made an honest effort, and obviously Lillard is amazing, phenomenal, right? They just couldn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's I, years you, of work you together. Can't do it, I know, but the thing about Steph that's so amazing, I've always thought this, and I am no, you know, analyst of shooting mechanics. The angle at which he releases the ball, he shoots the ball pretty much straight up, straight up in the air, makes it very difficult. As you said, all he needs is 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 a phone booth worth of space. And that's something that Chris Paul, he is not as obviously as good of an outside shooter, but obviously as Chris Paul has aged and he's not getting by people, uh, you know, people say he's mastered the mid range. Well, of course he's mastered the mid range, but what right. he's mastered is the launch angle that gives him a chance to space. So shoot I need those DeAndre Ayton screens. Those max level screens. <laughs> that's, that's max level screens. Um, all right. Uh, other thing I want to talk about is a team that I think has got a lot on the line this year. That's the New Orleans Pelicans. And mm. when is Zion going to come back? And because they need him. Bottom line, they need him. When is Zion going to come back? And secondly, not just when he steps on the court. We're talking about a guy who they're being a little bit vague on purpose with his injuries. And they do that to protect him and also because he doesn't like his business out there. I get it. We don't really know a lot about this injury, um, but, we, but we do know he hasn't been able to work out in a while. And yes. so a, when does he actually get clearance to play? 
B, when is he going to be back in condition where mm-hmm. he can be the type of player he was last year when he was hoping to get in better condition for this year? And that's right out the window now. Yeah. Do, do they have to, you know, is it back to playing him in bursts? How much do they got to manage his minutes? Um, you know, how's he moving? Uh, yeah. If, if Zion comes back, you know, looking like uh, he should be playing left tackle, that's problematic. Well, and that doesn't even get into the fact that he doesn't guard anybody. And, you know, part of, part of, you know, we have talked about this a bunch, at least Brian and I off the pod, I think we've talked about it on the pod too, is like you go back and watch his highlights from Duke and the thing mm-hmm. and talking to executives around the league, the thing that made him such a special prospect coming in the NBA was not because of his scoring in the paint. It was because this guy was a 6'6", 290 pound or whatever human tornado who was causing all kinds of turnovers and blocking shots and stealing the ball and flying down the other court for dunks. And was like, he was like a supersized version of Draymond in every way. Like that was what, well, yeah, he was was like, he he was like a dominant finishing version of Draymond. Well, that's what I mean. Like that was what made him this incredible prospect. It wasn't that he just bowled his way to the rim and scored. It was, he was doing all this stuff at the other end of the court. And if he just becomes a guy who's not going to guard anybody who then bowls his way to the rim and scores, like he's a talented player. That's certainly going to help you, but he's not this transformational, mm. transcendent prospect that he was going to be. And well, that to me, listen, is, is Luca, no, it doesn't, is Luca a transcendent pros, prospect? He, well, listen, I would one say of the, one of Luca's great defensive abilities is the fact that he's versatile <laughs> enough where you can hide him on multiple positions. I would, is, I is, would is, say, is Trey Young a transcendent talent because. He, you know, he ain't stopping anybody. If you are a, if, if you're a dude who can possibly you're a average big guy, 30 a game if, shooting 60 plus but if, percent, but if you're if you, eight, come on. No, I don't. I'm not saying he's, I don't, when I say that, I don't say that he's a bad player or not a good player or not a very good player. He obviously is a very, he's already a very good player, but if you're a big guy and you're a zero on defense, that's a much bigger knock than if you're a zero on defense as point guard. That's just the way I mean, it is. Uh, define big guy because he's their point guard. You know, he's, if you're he's a prim- not, if you're a primary a primary ball handler who is a basically you know this guy's on the floor, you're going to be a damn good offensive team. You know, my my point is if you're a good enough offensive player, it's it's on it's on the coach and the franchise to build a passable defense around you. I'm just and he, saying he farther, would not be the only one in the league. The farther up the defense, the size spectrum you go on defense, the better you have to be on defense to be uh, to be adequate. And if you and I'm just saying, if you go back to watch, I'm telling you, go watch the high like five minute highlight. Oh, like no, the there's a one that stands out where he came from the the paint. And blocked a corner three, and it was yes. like the guy was. I mean, yes, you know, in my mind, he was like fifteen feet yes. in the air, and that, into the, that's, in the seats. That's the stuff. That's why he was seen as this once in a generation prospect. It wasn't because he was going to be this. Well, it was. It, that, it was that both added to it. <laughs> I'm saying, but I'm yeah. saying it was a huge part of what made him a special player. It wasn't like Luca from the very beginning was a guy who was going to be a transcendent guy on offense who everyone knew from the beginning was going to be limited on defense. My point is Zion, the, the, the Zion Williamson who was supposed to come into the NBA has not been in the NBA yet. Yeah. The, and, the, the best prospect since LeBron. Yeah. I, so I, like, I that's, you. that's what I'm saying. Like if he, he needs to go, like if he wants to get back into that kind of conversation where he's seen as like one of the best players in the league, in my opinion, anyway, he needs to become a guy that isn't a giant negative on defense. And well, so far and, in his career, he's been a giant negative on defense. And, and let yeah, me but, ask you this. But, the, but either way, I still don't know when he's going to get out there and be a meaningful player this year. You know, I don't know if it, true. he said he wanted to do it on opening night. That's clearly mm-hmm. not happening. And, um, or probably not happening. Uh, you know, but that's a, that's a thing. They're, they're not good enough, especially in the West, to start the season three and seven. Also, There's, did the I Pelicans, mean, did they get better defensively by letting Lonzo Ball go in and signing Devontae Graham? Did, did they get well, better defensively in the, the Steven Adams, Jonas no. Valanciunas swap? Uh, tr- their rookie out of Virginia, Trey Murphy, has my attention. He went to Virginia. I didn't see him play in college. I don't really watch <laughs> a lot of college. But I do know, I just checked my notes, Virginia is in the ACC. I think, I'm aware. I, think <laughs> I think they are. They play decent basketball there. Typically, if you do well in the ACC, you know, you're going to be okay. 
he shot 50, 40, 90 in the ACC last year, which actually for the whole season, but also in the ACC. And then he was really good at summer league. He shot 45% from three in summer league, made the all first team all summer league. And he's made 12 three pointers in the first two exhibition games. Now I'm not going to sit here and like, say you should go put your money on him for rookie of the year. I'm just saying we're having to talk discussion about the Pelicans and their troubles. I will just point out Trey Murphy, especially since David Griffin, their GM is under some fire. I will point out that it looks like with the 17th pick, they might have something. Let's just see. But he has my attention. I just think well, that's he's, he's a guy who is seen as a guy who could be a three and D guy. And they, to McMahon's point, need a lot of D because they got a lot of guys who don't guard anybody. So, you know, is he they... left handed? I don't. I honestly don't remember. Okay. I, I don't, I don't know either. Um, all right. <laughs> good, uh, good scouting. Is he left-handed? Well, I, what do you, I'm, I'm, you know, this is the thing. Like, he, plays I in the a, he played in the ACC. Don't forget it. He went to Virginia. It's in the ACC. Don't forget it. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, I openly admit, I am no Mike Schmitz, Jonathan Gavoni. I, when they get to the NBA, mm-hmm. I evaluate them. I do my best. No, he's got a chance to step right in and play a big role for them. But, uh, like, I wasn't even, I was, I mean, I was half getting, but, like, look, he is a guy who was seen as a 3 and D guy who could step in and play in the draft and, like, Look, that's what they need. I mean, like McMahon said, they traded. I mean, Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball and uh, Stephen Adams are all defense first players in a lot of ways. And they replace them with Devontae Grant and Jonas Valanciunas, who are offense first players on a team that already had trouble guarding people. So, right. you know, it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting challenge for first year coach Willie Green to try to figure out what to do with a very complicated roster. And that's without even waiting to see when Zion's going to be fully back to normal and different players are different. I mean, you can't say across the board, but Tony Bennett has sent some guys into the NBA who have been sort of overlooked and been like, whoa, look at this guy. He, you know, even though they play a very different sort of old school system in Virginia, they, he's got some victories, you know, look at, look at Brogdon and Joe Harris, just as two right off the top of my head. Yep. Um, Former Mavs first rounder, Justin uh, Anderson. Oh, wait. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, all right. So the, you had some the momentum one, going. <laughs> the last one we wanted to, I, I mean, obviously I'm not trying to say I know anything about the draft. Um, the last one I wanted to ask you guys about before we uh, wrap this up is uh, the Bulls. Um, the Bulls expected to take a big leap forward this year. Um, and they there's they've got a lot going for them but one of the things that's going to be a challenge from day one we talked about it when they made those signings in august how are the bulls going to defend what are they going to do from day one what sort of habits are they going to have and bond times this is you know i don't know if it's one of the biggest questions in the east this year because we've got uh (laughs) situations in brooklyn and uh and philadelphia (laughs) maybe playing out right now um but uh, if the Bulls can defend at even a marginal level, if they are a top 20 defense, yeah, um, they are a lot different than they are if they're a bottom five defense, which is what their personnel might suggest. Yeah, And I, uh, watching them, you know, not that they're going to be defined in November, but watching how they defend coming out of the gates, it's going to be an important uh, harbinger of how this is going to go. It's going to be hugely important for them. And, and look, you know, we talked at the beginning of this pod about the Lakers and about the position that Frank Vogel is in trying to figure out how to make not only Russ and LeBron fit, and, but also trying to figure out how to mix and match these minimum players to kind of make this team go in the way they need it to in L.A., particularly another team that they have to try to figure out how to guard people to the level that Frank has always had his team's guard there. You know, this is all really on Billy Donovan. You know, they basically gave the, you know, Arturis Konishevis gave him this roster and said, all right, it's your job to coach up this defense and get it to a passable level. And, you know, people can point to Billy's track record. I think his teams have always been in the top half of the league in defense. I think they've never been lower than 13th or something. And, you know, it's going to take a heck of a job to get the Bulls anywhere near that level. Because, like, we were talking about trying to to stutter – um you know, stagger the minutes of like Russ and LeBron with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. When you've got DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine and Nick Vucevic trying to figure out how to have those guys on the court in some combination where you can have enough defensive players around them to make up for their weaknesses uh, is going to be a really delicate balance that they're going to have to try to walk all year. Cause 
the weird thing about their team is they have this starting lineup with those three guys. And then they've got this bench unit with Alex Caruso and Derek Jones Jr. and Troy Brown and all these guys who are sort of defense first guys. And they don't really have a great mix of two-way guys at all. And so it it's going to be a real interesting jigsaw to, to see Billy Donovan try to put together. I mean, look, if you watch the Cleveland game the other night, they won by like a billion against the Cavs who uh, look like they're in line to have another pretty rough season. <laughs> but um, but I, I don't take a ton away from that. But to your point, Brian, the East is – there's 12 playoff caliber teams in the East. And the Bulls spent all this money and traded all these draft picks because they think they're going to be back in the mix being out of the playing tournament again. And if they're down also, in the playing remember, tournament or below still, there, they could be in a lot of trouble. There's still a tampering investigation going on out yeah. there. And there's a are. max and there's a star player on the team who uh, Brian has talked plenty about who is uh, going to be a free agent in yeah. uh, about eight months. Also, but I'm just you saying know. if they get hit, if they get dinged with something coming out of this tampering investigation and maybe they'll get fined. I don't know. I think the, the Bucks got fined and had a second round pick. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I would suspect it would be worse because in the Bucks situation two years ago, they didn't get the player, but the Bulls did get the player. But it just it raises the ante on what they paid to get Lonzo, which is, you know, players and picks, you know. And the, and the, I'm just my thing with the Bulls. Like, listen, could I see him being some uh, sneaking into the sixth seed? Sure, okay. Because I I mean I think they're going to be a really damn good offensive team. Like they will light it up. I just I I would be absolutely shocked if they win a playoff series now or any time in the near future. And so to give up everything they did in terms of draft capital to be a team that is going to be, hope, they hope, one and done. Let's let's do this real quick, real quick. Are they better than Brooklyn? No. no. Are they better than Milwaukee? No. no. Are they better than Atlanta? No. Are they better than Philly? No. Are they better than Miami? No. Are they better they than Boston? Think they, might, they, they probably believe no. they, could, they could be better than Atlanta. No, do but you, one of those they teams. Probably believe, well, they probably you, believe they're better than Boston. Okay. They might not be, but I'm just saying. Well, but Okay, well, man has said no to all six of those, Brian. Are they better than any of those teams? No, but I mean, one no, of those I'm teams. Asking, could, I'm asking the other guy who never likes to make any predictions. Are they better than any of those teams, Brian? For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Silence speaks volumes. I'm not. Sir. I'm not as high on Boston as everybody else is. Um, I'm not high on them. I think they're a six seed. Me too. So the point is, you they, think they that, could be better than Boston. And so the point is, on various you, factors, they could be better than Atlanta, but I wouldn't. Say but you wouldn't boy, bet. But you. But you wouldn't bet in either sense. You wouldn't bet on Chicago to be better than them, right? No, I wouldn't. So the point is, them. the point is that maybe they could, like you said, big man. Maybe they could squeak into the five or six. Maybe. And that's before getting into teams like Indiana and the Knicks and the Raptors, all these other teams. So, like, they've put a ton on the line, Charlotte, to be good this year. And they are expecting to be good this year. And so, it like, it's going to be up to Billy Donovan to figure out a way to make this team guard because they should score. But if they're giving everyone back at the other end, it doesn't matter. And that, they that's are what's going to determine how good they, they are. Somehow an average defensive team, Billy Donovan deserves coach of the year consideration. Well, the issue is I would agree. People will target Vucevic in 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 switches. They will target DeRozan in switches. Mm -hmm. Levine has terrific athleticism and has improved defensively, 
but they will be targeting Zach Levine and switches also. He falls asleep on things. He doesn't always in the, be in the right place at the right time. Lonzo has shown he can do some things defensively. Yep. But he's not an elite defender. Well, and the other Pat thing Williams is they've, is they've hurt again. Well, and Pat Williams Patrick also, Williams is hurt. Patrick Williams is super young. Had a, you know, as a, a young rookie who had a lot of, you know, was not that great last year. And now he has got to be a, he's got to take a really big jump for them too. He's the only guy that have that can really guard bigger By the way, wings. Do on we the know when Patrick Williams is going to be back? Yeah, Patrick Williams. They, they need to be they Patrick. They need him to be Tony Allen without the root canals. <laughs> uh, yo, yo. Pat, Pat, they said Patrick Williams is out. Uh, four to six weeks. And I believe the injury happened in mid September. So I guess there's a chance he could play opening night. I think it's more likely okay. he's back around November 1st. Okay. So it's not like a grade three ankle eight to 12 week type thing. No, they said it was four to six weeks and I think it happened okay. before camp started. At least okay. I think that's okay. what they said. So, but either way you're talking, you know, maybe he's ready at the start of, camp, of the season, but he hasn't practiced for the whole time. You know, I mean, either way, he's got to work his way back in. They don't have uh, they don't have guys behind him to really play the role he's in. So, right. yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be I'm really they're one of, They're probably one of the teams I'm most interested to watch this season. I, I just think they're going to be I mean, they're going to play Rosen a lot of fun a, games. By the and, way, the Rosen, yeah, had an interesting great, team. the Rosen had a great offensive season last year. Nobody yeah. really watched it outside of San Antonio, but his number a terrific passer. A really, really good yeah, passer. Yeah, he he has he can do a lot. I don't want to just focus on what he can't do because he, you know, he's got a lot going for him. Well, and to be clear, the reason uh, we're I think eighty five so million, I think eighty five million was a little bit higher than I thought he'd go, but you know, well, and we're, and they gave up stuff to get him, right? Yeah. The reason we're talking so much about the things they can't do is because we all agree their offense should be really good. Like if their offense isn't really good, then they're going to have problems. Like yeah, with Zach and DeRozan and, and Vucevic, they should be a really good offensive team. The question is, like, if they're going to be a good team, it's because they guard people. And that's the thing nobody's sure they can do. Everybody thinks they're going to score. I so, mean, they could be a top five offense, top bottom five defense, and nobody would be surprised. Yes. And, and uh, what, Nick, does that, Nick, what does that work out to? 41 and 41. Nick Vucevic is a big NBA podcast fan. So, Nick, if you're listening, good luck to you this season. Thank you to Bontemps. Thank you. Hey, to what was Dan. USC's defensive rating when, when he and DeRozan played together? we got to look <laughs> that stuff up. I bet you Schmitz would know off the top of his head. He probably would in USC. Um, I could say something here, but I won't. Uh, thank you for listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. Everybody have a great weekend. We will speak to you early next week. Take care. Adios, amigos. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.